Welcome to KC Corner episode 144, and you have a Hawaiian shirt on today <laughs> with a with a dude surfing some waves, and it looks like you're ready for summer. You're ready for 4th of July already. Well, you know, I saw the calendar, I, I should say, I saw the weather app earlier in the week, and mm-hmm. it's mostly like start creeping toward 90, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I thought, you know, hey, let's get the summer jive on, let's, let's get going, and not only that. But I got this at JP and Kyla's wedding. This mm-hmm. is literally a Hawaiian Hawaiian shirt. And guess what store I got this in? Uh, yes, you know what uh, store I only. Store oh, I Costco. Costco. Yes, Co- yes. So that's I went right. into Costco and uh, and got this, and so. You know, just thought, hey, I'll wear something short sleeve today. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll wear a little Hawaiian. Sunday night when I was over, I was talking with your wife, and she actually brought that up. We were talking about wedding stuff and JP and Kyla's wedding and how you lost your mind at the Costco in Hawaii. And you, <laughs> she she left for a second, and she came back, and you had like 10 Costco Hawaiian shirts in the cart, and you may have just gone overboard. I don't bit. know. It's if I ever go overboard, Brooks. <laughs> But, you know, listen, the one thing about Costco in Hawaii, they had Hawaiian burgers. They mm. had burgers that had, like, this, I don't know, teriyaki sauce or mm-hmm. something on them that were just unbelievable. You're having to ship stuff back, ship yeah. frozen meat back, all the, the whole Break thing. all the rules. You, just, are, you went broke from the Hawaiian, it, it, Hawaiian well, Costco. I went broke from Hawaii. Yeah. Yes, but, uh, anyway, yeah, so... Yeah, so but when we were driving to a church this past Sunday, I mean, I, there are a couple of those houses with the big yellow flowers uh, with those trees out there, uh, yeah. and I saw them blooming. So I think I think spring is just about spring here. Spring is sprung, probably, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And it, it's like a lot of the leaves fall, a lot of the older leaves and the new ones oh, yeah. are coming. And, oh yeah. Uh, and I tell you, those those uh, I don't know, I can't remember what they're called. My wife could tell you. Katie could say, uh, "Gosh, I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue," but. The trees that are bright yellow, some of them are bright pink. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Out of here. It's yep. just, it is like, wow. It's oh, yeah. magnificent. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, so spring spring just about in the air. It's yeah. close. It's, it's so definitely true. close. Spring training. Spring training. We got yep. baseball. We got we're, we're in the midst of the hockey season. You know, it's it's, it's a it's, it's awesome. a fun time of year. It is. It's, you know, good time to get married, Brooks. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a great time to get the married. The countdown. How many days? Uh, 18. Wow. Wow. I thank you for putting me on the spot. I totally <laughs> that was pretty that. good. That was really good. That was really good. By the way, it's 23, but that's okay. No, no, that's not. It's <laughs> Just throw a number out there. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we got some good stuff to go through. Yeah, some great stuff. And it's probably going to be a little Matthew heavy this week, um, but it's warranted because there's a lot of good stuff this week in Matthew. Well, we get to the turning point in Matthew, and really, uh, there's just some really good stuff in Matthew. When we started off, we were like Matthew 15, 21 through 18, 14, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh you know, in, in Matthew 15, there's this story of the Canaanite woman's faith. And it's interesting, Brooks, because there's two people with incredibly great faith. The first one so far, the first one was that uh, Roman soldier uh, who says, hey, I'm a man under authority. You can you don't have to come to my house. You can just say it. And my mm-hmm. my daughter, right, you know, my servant is going to be healed. And and Jesus is taken aback like, wow, there's that's some amazing faith. You know, I haven't seen it. Uh, and then you see this Canaanite woman. But really, it's what Jesus says to her that always makes me pause. It's, it's uh, She's asking to be healed. She calls him son of David. So she's, she's familiar with the promises of God uh, to the Israelites. Um, she knows Messiah is coming, son of David. And yet she's begging to be healed. And Jesus is kind of ignoring her. Uh, and then you think, is this racist? I mean, is this... Is this uh, what is he doing? And then he says, you know, hey, listen, I, I was sent just for the lost sheep of Israel. And it's one of those things that really makes me stop and think, 
Okay, what is he saying? And I got to be honest, I hope everybody hears this and knows this. When you read through the Gospels and you hear what Jesus says, there are a lot of things that really challenge you. How does this fit? I mean, he says some things that are seemingly out there, you know, and you try to align Paul with Jesus at times and it's it's not as easy at times. You know, it really takes a little bit of, okay, Holy Spirit. I literally went and got commentaries and just like, okay, and was reminded that Jesus, the promise was first for the Jews. I mean, the Jews were the ones that God made covenant with. I mean, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, they were David and, and uh, um, uh, you know, Moses. And so through the Jews, we get the law. Through the Jews, we get the promise of the Messiah. I mean, through the Israelites, you have all these incredible um, promises. You know, God's chosen people. And he comes to them first, as, as Paul will say in Romans 1, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation, for the Jew first, also for the Gentile. Um, but, you know, anyway, I don't think we need to talk a lot more about that. But it's it's one of those things that, that I hope that everybody who reads through Scripture, there's going to be things that you have to sit down and think, okay, wait a minute. Because clearly he came for all the lost sheep. Clearly the lost sheep include every tribe, tongue, nation. You, you go through the whole story, you know. But the vehicle, the entry point, uh, the kind of the target was through the Israelites and we are, he is the true Israelite and we are, the, we are Israelites in Christ. But anyway. And when you look at the Bible, it looks like a absolutely gigantic book and it is, but when you actually start reading it, especially in the gospels, it's broken up into little tiny sections, little tiny parables when Jesus is speaking and having to break down just, it's kind of sometimes even two or three sentences at a time that are pretty weighty and pretty in depth. Yeah. You know, things like the Beatitudes we've gone through in the Sermon on the Mount and there's, there's a, there's a lot of density. And I think that's some wisdom with the guy who, or gal who, put together the outline we're following. You know, we're only reading each day 10, 12 verses in Matthew, and mm -hmm. we're reading four chapters in Leviticus, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, so it's interesting. But then, you know, you got the feeding of the 5,000. That's a mm -hmm. pretty cool story. You know, mm -hmm. what, what can you do with seven loaves of fish and a couple, I'm sorry, seven loaves of bread and a couple of fish? Yeah, you bring them to Jesus <laughs> and watch them work, and it's amazing. Um, but really where I wanted to go to Brooks is in Matthew chapter 16, you have this turning point of the gospel and it's, it's in Caesarea Philippi, an amazing place uh, that I've had the privilege of going a few times. Um, it's, it's literally called at the time, the gates of hell. There were some really bad things that were happening in Caesarea Philippi, some human sacrifices, but um, it's where Jesus says, Hey, who do the people say I am? And Brooks, there wasn't a confusion then as there is now, because people, some people are like, oh, well, you know, you're John the Baptist who's come mm -hmm. back, or you're Elijah, or you're, you're, you know, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. I mean, you're some, some dude, but we don't really know. And then he asked the ultimate question that I, I, I love. Uh, he turns to them and says, okay, well, that's what they say, but who do you say I am? And it's Peter, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, we've talked a lot about Peter. He's, <laughs> he's the first out of the gate. And a lot of times when he's the first out of the gate, he's the first one falling on his face. But he he starts off as an amazing hero. This is another hero to zero moment for him. But, you know, Peter is able to say, hey, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Lord. You are. And then he adds, you're the son of the living God. I mean, I mean, right there. What a confession of who um, Jesus is. And I, I've said this several times. I'm sure you've heard me say it. You know, Jesus 
seems to change his tone with Peter. He, he calls him Simon Barjona. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like uh, something different. And I, I picture him giving Peter a noogie. I picture him <laughs> kind of grabbing him like, oh, man, you got it. And just like this 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 hug of embrace. Like, And he says, listen, Peter, you didn't get this from men. I mean, it's not that you're so smart. You got this from the Father. And again, even there, theological drippings that only he who has ears to hear and eyes to see, and those are only by God's grace, can you come up with that answer? Um, but he gets it. And as soon as he gets it, then Jesus starts telling him, well, here, here, listen, guys, okay, now the Messiah, let me tell you, the Messiah must suffer. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. They're going to beat me, strip me. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to raise from the dead. And this was such craziness to the disciples that Peter does something that, Okay, he just says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he pulls Jesus aside and it says he rebukes him. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to rebuke the son of God. He's going to rebuke the Messiah. No, 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 you're not going to go to, you know, you know, this is not going to happen this way. You know, you're not dying. And then, then you get this another, just Jesus, what does he do? He turns, what does he call him? Uh, I'm not sure. Get behind me. Yeah. Satan. 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Get behind me, Satan. Th- through all of that, I'm going to use a football term here or an analogy of he's kind of like a, a quarterback that uh, maybe has a lot of incredible plays and maybe kind of like Josh Allen and has a crazy arm and, and does great things and Peter does great things and says great things, but then he'll sometimes do a boneheaded play and rebuke the Messiah and yeah. pull him aside like, you're you're not see Jesus, yeah. you got it all wrong here. Exactly. I mean, this is a pick six. This I is mean, an absolute pick six. Yeah, this, is, this is like at the worst time, like, you know, what, what were you thinking, you know? Uh, it's a scoop. You look so score. good on the last drive and you said something so smart and then to do that right afterwards. Oh, it's just incredible. But then even, even so you have this amazing you are the Christ you have this you know Jesus saying what he's going to do you have Peter trying to rebuke him and then Jesus starts talking about the cost of discipleship hey if you want to be my disciple you got to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me daily Mm -hmm. you know you and I read that and we think oh the cross yeah it makes so much sense we got it and okay it's his cross our cross whose cross are we picking up but this is before the crucifixion so you know what did it mean for them at the time and I know that they could see Roman crosses and you know the other crucifixions but uh, that's that always intrigues me, and then you get this mystical stuff of Jesus. Like, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you lose your life and find it, you're going to really have it. And mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely a cost. Mm-hmm. And no matter what we want to say, we are saved by God's grace through faith, and that's amazing. But it's uh, there is a cost of discipleship mm-hmm. that He wants us to deny ourselves. And I feel like that take up your cross verse right now is like maybe used on little Instagram posts and like pretty backgrounds and stuff yeah. like that. And it's a beautiful oh. thing of like follow Him. But when it was said then, you know, people knew what being crucified was and being yeah. put on a cross, and it was a horrible, terrible thing that no one would want to do. Yeah. So reading or hearing that at that time would be like, I, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to do that at all. Can we do literally anything else? Exactly. <laughs> I've said it often. I think Jesus was one of the worst marketers ever. You know, <laughs> he gets he gets people at the edge of conversion, and he starts telling them some stuff that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that rich young ruler. We'll get to that. But but it's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a cost. And then right on the heels of uh, um, that, we get to Matthew seventeen is is the Mount of Transfiguration. And again, we see Jesus is mo. He has. Three of the closest. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's Peter, James, and John. 
they get access to more stuff than anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's those three. You have the three, the 12. You'll see he'll send out the 72. Then he deals with the multitudes. But, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he kind of, his humanity is a a bit, uh, his divinity overshadows his humanity for the first time in their life. They see... They see his glory, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, holy cow, it's amazing. And while they're up there, uh, you know, Moses and, and Elijah and one of one of them, I can't remember which gospel says they talk about the Exodus. They talk about his, you know, what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. And here you have Moses, who's the law, the guy who gives us the law. He's a prophet, too. But you have Elijah who represents the prophet. You have the law. You have, uh, you know, you have the prophets and you have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you have Peter. He's like, what do I do? Let me say something. Let me fill the awkward moment. And, and I'm going to say something. He says, oh, it's good that we should be here. I'm going to build three shelters. Like, I'm going to I'm going to have all these guys have a platform. You know, the law is going to have a platform. The prophets are going to have a platform. And Jesus is going to have a platform. And, and they're pretty equal. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, Peter doesn't get it. And I love the fact that the father couldn't contain his silence anymore. He's going to speak. And when he speaks, he's going to make sure he knows like, hey, Jesus, that one is my beloved son. That one is the one in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Don't just listen to the law. Don't listen to the prophets. If you want to understand the law and the prophets, you've got to listen to him. They all run through him. They are all interpreted through him. They all point to him. And so, I mean, it's it's uh, it's really, really cool what the father is saying here. That he has no rival. He has no equal. Don't put these on the same level. This one is the son. This one is the reason. So uh, it's cool stuff. This is another example of just <clears throat> in a few sentences how weighty it is. And, you know, if you just read the Bible the first time, you read that. And, and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. If someone were to just read that, it'd be like, I don't really know what they're yeah. talking about there. And even I didn't know it. I didn't know anything about that till you preached about it like sometime last year. Of like, mm-hmm. I would have just read that, and be like, ah, I don't know what that means, really, yeah. and skip yeah. over it. But yeah. to then get rebuked immediately, like, no, we're not three equals. Uh, this, this is my son. Yeah, and you know, and it, it's a good point. You know, as far as the, there's a story, there's a depth of the story. You know, I mean. You start with the New Testament and you don't have any idea of the Old Testament. There's mm-hmm. a good amount you're going to miss. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like your grandpa recently sat down and watched a little bit of a hockey game with me. And he, <laughs> he didn't know offsides. He didn't know icing. Mm-hmm. He really couldn't, you couldn't grab it until you know uh, the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can really enjoy it. You can mm-hmm. see the beauty and the intricacy of it. And so I think that's a, another good reason why we're going through the Old Testament as well is like, you know, that's the backdrop. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the, those are the promises that point to him. And those are the, it's kind of the shadow. He's the substance. Mm-hmm. So anyway, absolutely. And then, then they come right off down the mountain. He's like, Hey, don't tell anybody about this until I resur- am resurrected from the dead. I'm sure they didn't quite get that. <laughs> but then they, they come, they stumble upon their other disciples who were trying to help this dad out with a demonic son. And they just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jesus, Jesus, again, it's another one of those things, Brooks, where he kind of, I don't understand his reaction. He, he gets angry. He's like, oh my gosh, this perverse generation, how much, how long do I got to put Faithless up with and you? twisted generation. Yeah, this faithless <laughs> and twisted generation. How long do I put up with you all, knucklehead? Bring them over <laughs> here. And, you know, so he does his, his thing. And then the disciples later are like, uh, Jesus, why didn't that one work? You mm-hmm. know, and, and then he says something that's hard for me too, because you don't have enough faith. 
And there's a lot of faith healers who will say, the reason, Brooks, you don't have the million dollars you deserve is you don't have enough faith. You know, you 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 haven't asked right yet. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's God wants to do it all. And so it seems contingent upon faith. And I don't know fully what that looked like, but, you know, I, I know that they, uh, I don't fully get it. Let me just mm-hmm. even say that. But, you know, I know they had faith. And he's like, hey, if you have faith, you can tell this mountain, just, you know, go over there and it's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of, one of those crazy Jesus sayings. That... Mm-hmm. And even through this, this week, you saw in the beginning, he tells the woman uh, with the demon-possessed daughter of, you have great faith. And then twice he mentions to his disciples, you have little faith. And oh, yeah. the, pe- the people closest to him, he's saying, you have little faith. Yeah. And just a, a, a random it's woman a random who needs someone healed, you says, have great faith. Who says, man, just give me some of the crumbs <laughs> that a dog would receive. You know, it's, it's just incredible. I think, uh, I don't know what else you have, but it's going to go into 18. It's going to talk about the greatness of the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of heaven Mm -hmm. with the little children, you know, and I love the fact that Jesus says, hey, don't, don't keep them from me. The little, he's going to use them. um, uh, Let me, the phrase that came up, a heuristic device, the teaching tool of like, this is a, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like this, but there's something, if you look at that, it says that, hey, be careful with them because these little children, their angels see my face in heaven. And that's another one. It's like, huh? <laughs> um, and it makes you wonder, do we have a guardian angel? I mean, what 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 angels are do they have that are seeing God's face in heaven? Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, there's a spiritual realm that we don't see that he does. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, it's like, whoa. And I, I always thought it was so so weird when the disciples would get in arguments asking who is the greatest it's just like how could you how could you just even bring up that topic i know they're walking long distances and need stuff to talk about but the why why does that topic always come up just always surprises me yeah, such sinners <laughs> and it seems the most inopportune time you know he's yeah. talking about hey we're gonna go die he's literally like oh, I'm, I'm better than you and so, <laughs> Oh my gosh. They're they're such knuckleheads, they that's are, for they sure. Are. A, a, a funny group of dudes. Thank God. You know, can you imagine if they were not? I mean, we, they wouldn't be relatable, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, so oh my goodness. All right, is there anything else you got from Matthew? I, I, I think that was it in Matthew. That was yeah. a pretty good deeper dive. That was good. Then, you know, Acts, we went from Acts 21, 27 through 25, 12, I believe. And that's really Paul going into Jerusalem and then, you know, the crowd going crazy. And mm-hmm. Paul being led eventually to Caesarea, where he'll spend quite a few, a couple of years, uh, actually, kind of there. By the way, if you ever get to Israel, I'd love to take you to both places. Caesarea is over on the coast. Mm-hmm. and uh um, Herod uh, built a lot of cool things over there, but um, so Paul goes to Jerusalem, and uh, we know that he goes. You know, he, he brings eventually a gift, you know, uh, to to them, and he goes into the temple. And everybody's all worried. They've already prophesied it's not going to go well with you there. It's interesting who recognizes him by some of the Jews from Asia, where he was doing ministry, and there's a riot that breaks out, and it's going to be Roman soldiers that got to carry him away, but. It's interesting what caused the riot. In Acts chapter 22, Paul tells his conversion story. He tells it several times in the book of Acts. Everybody seems to be listening until he mentions, by the way, God sent me the Gentiles. You're like, burn them, <laughs> kill them. I mean, it was like he used the phrase you never should use, mm-hmm. the Gentiles. The, the trigger word. Yeah, just don't mention these Gentiles, you know. And he, 
he mentions the Gentiles and they literally want to rip him apart. And so, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. I can't stand the Red Sox, but this is, there's something incredibly hateful going on here that's, that's happening. And, uh, but what I, what I love too, Brooks, is that Paul uses that Roman citizen card. He uses, he can speak different languages that people can understand. And uh, I think he could play the other side like, hey, Roman soldiers, I'm a Roman citizen. I got rights. Mm-hmm. And um, so he plays that really well to his advantage to kind of get him somewhat out of those things. And uh, um, anyway, uh can I keep going? I mean, I'm yeah, the, I don't know if we're there yet, but I thought it was interesting. When he was going to the trial, his nephew warns the centurion that there's like 40 people waiting to kill him. Like, yeah, yeah. Then they had no idea. They thought they were just going to take him to the trial. He was gonna, They were going to do the whole thing, but they warned him that there were people waiting outside to kill him. Well, and they were fasting until, yeah, they, until, until Paul was dead. I'm not going to eat anything until he's dead. You know? <laughs> so, I wonder what happened to them because they didn't get him. No, no they, they did not get him. <laughs> But what I love about that, I love you bringing that up, is that it's God's hand. It's God's hand that, he, that, he, that God uses the Roman soldiers to get him out of the temple before he gets ripped apart. God uses his nephew to hear what's going to happen to tell the Romans who put together, I think there's like 200 soldiers that are gathered to mm-hmm. gonna lead him out and take him out to Caesarea, mm-hmm. get him out of there. And eventually he's going to appeal to Caesar. And I think even in midst of all that, the Lord tells Paul, hey, listen, you're going to testify for me in Rome. This mm-hmm. is, I know they all want to kill you. It's not going to end here. Mm-hmm. You've still got some work to do. And uh, that have been really cool. But I wanted to tell you, too, in Acts 23, is Paul is before the Sanhedrin, which is like the religious leaders. It's like the Jewish uh, court. And he's so smart. He divides them because who's there? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, you know, you, you, as you mentioned, you read this without any backdrop and you miss a little bit. But the Sadducees were religious people that didn't believe in miracles and they didn't believe in resurrection. It was all here and now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, the Pharisees, they were more, let's use the word orthodox. They did believe in resurrection and miracles and different things. And so you have these religious people that kind of were confronting each other. And they bring in Paul. And what does he do? He's like, oh, by the way, I'm here because I believe in the hope of the resurrection. He Mm -hmm. hardly even mentions Jesus. He's Mm -hmm. like, I believe in the resurrection. He gets him arguing with each other about the resurrection it's just kind of like what yeah. brilliance he know? said i never caused any riots i am on trial because of the resurrection of the dead <laughs> yeah you know and so he's basically saying to the pharisees hey you believe this too and, mm-hmm. and they're like yeah you're right there's nothing wrong with that you know and so it's uh it's it's just beautiful yeah god's hand through it all mm-hmm. through the whole thing yeah anything uh, else in acts no, I think that that's uh, it's it's. Uh, I think that we covered it pretty good. Yeah, I, I know. At the end, he was uh, he he is left in prison for two years, and it says that with some liberty, so not just locked in a dungeon. He he's able to see people and, and have some some freedom, but he, he is a prisoner. Yeah, he is, and yeah, yeah you know, uh, I've been to Caesarea, and there's a couple spots they say I think this is where Paul was held in prison in this right spot, and you can see that little community. There's. It's cool. They have a racetrack where they probably race the chariots. Mm-hmm. That. It's right by the water. And, uh, um, you know, it's there's a lot of cool things. And there's a little amphitheater that you go and sit in. You can see, you look out over the water. And, uh, you know, you can really picture that little community. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yep, yep. Let's move on to the Psalms. Psalm yep. uh, 36 through 40 this past week. 
Yeah, you know, uh, you want to start with 36 or you want me to jump in? Uh, I had something for 37 if you okay. want to kick off 36. Well, 36, I love it. It's, uh, it's uh, verses 5 and 6. Your your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. And your justice like the great uh, deep. Uh, and then you, Lord, preserve both people and animals. And he's going to, the psalmist is going to repeat kind of that. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heaven. Your faithfulness to the sky. He's going to repeat that throughout the Psalms a few times, mm-hmm. and I and I just love that. But to me, it's like I love the fact that you preserve animals too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just a, um, you know, I'm not saying animals have souls. I'm not, you know, but saying, maybe golden retrievers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he cares. You know, he made the animals, and I know as an animal lover, and I know I don't want to miss the main point of that, but that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but then really in 36 uh, that I love, love, love is 36.9 is for with you is the fountain of life. You know, life flows from him. Jesus would come and say, you know, we'd be saying John 1, he is the light and life of men. Mm-hmm. You know, life flows from him. I mean, you don't have it, you know, with you is a fountain of life. And in your light, do we see light? And mm-hmm. to me, that is one of the things I, I know I've talked about it here on this over the years is that. You know, in God's light and understanding, we understand ourselves and the world. In his light, do we understand light? If we, if you don't have the wisdom by God's grace of God, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. If you don't see him behind everything as creator, sustainer, you miss it. You don't mm-hmm. really see. And so in his light, we see light. In his, it's like through his word, through his spirit, we understand. And he, it's not a textbook. He doesn't tell us everything. But you know, the knowledge comes from his light. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to paraphrase this and probably butcher it, but from KC group last night, I think it was in James. One of the verses was uh, abide in the word and I'll abide in you. And kind of that circle of life of, yeah. um, I provide light through you. It's you're, you're not doing anything on your own. It, it's through the word and through yeah. me. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It might've been John 15, but that's all right. Yeah. My, I think it was John 15. Now I think about <laughs> we're, we're bouncing around all sorts of verses. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, which is hundred awesome. percent John 15. Now which, I think about which, it. Which, uh, <laughs> Which I love. So, hey, you want to, why don't you start us off for 37? Yes, 37. So, uh, my fiance, her favorite podcast, uh, second favorite behind this one, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, relatable with Allie Beth Stuckey. She did a series on most misquoted or misused Bible verses. Mm-hmm. And one of the first ones she did was Psalm 37, uh, verses 5 and 6, or 3 through three. 6. Uh, and it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And people use that as like, if I just ask, kind of like what you were saying before, if I have enough faith or I ask the right questions or believe hard enough, I will get anything I want. A million dollars, the perfect husband, the the big house that I want or anything. And she's saying like, we're, it's still his plan, his will of, yeah. of our desires, not Brooks's will or Brooks's desires. It's so true. And I, and I, and I love those passages. I mean, that's uh, when I meditate on Psalm 37, that's where I typically go. But when I, I think about this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It, when, when the Lord is your delight, he is your desire. Mm-hmm. When he is, you, when you delight in him, you know, who am I, have, who do I have in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire more than you. It's Psalm 73. Is, uh, I think, you know, I think that that's the reality. I think uh, when we do commit our way to the Lord, when we do trust in him, when we do make him our delight, um, you know, he will because, you know, it's like your will be done. Mm-hmm. And so instead of give me the Mercedes, man, those are nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, give me some of this stuff. I, by the way, I was at a light the other day and I was uh, I was behind a convertible Bentley. 
It was a convertible Bentley black, mm-hmm. and it and, and the and the vanity license plate is in therapy, <laughs> and uh, I googled it. I mean, it was a beautiful car. I'm like, man, I haven't seen too many two door coupe Bentleys, and whatever it, it came up is like two hundred eighty nine thousand dollars. It Co- was talking bucks. about how fast it's zero to, and how fast I think the top speed was two hundred and some odd miles an hour. I'm like, what in the world? But, <laughs> How do we get here? So that desires your heart. I mean, you know, there, there's a, not that I don't have the materialistic bug, mm-hmm. but I think what this is really saying is, hey, you know, he's going to give you the desires of your heart if you're desiring him. And it, it was, yeah, you're right. It was John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I was trying, and I again butchered it last night, trying to make an analogy in KC group, but saying like, we're part of God's tree and we're branches on his tree. So we're doing his will and kind of growing our branches instead of there being a Brooks tree that I want to do all of my desires and have a big home or do all this stuff. It's it's his will and we're kind of growing our branches through him. Well, I love that Brooks. And let's go back there a little bit further and say in Psalm 15, it starts off by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm the true vine, which interestingly, the vine is also was referred to in the Old Testament in the Psalms, like Psalm 80, uh, as the Israelites. But Jesus is the true vine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the true Israelite. But here's what he says. Those who don't bear fruit, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. You better bear fruit. Those who don't bear fruit, cut them off, burn them. Mm-hmm. Those who do bear fruit, cut them and prune them. Mm-hmm. We both get the, 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 the we both get cut. Mm-hmm. One gets cut to, to to bear more fruit, not the Brooks tree, <laughs> but the Jesus tree. So there's pruning in our life that he's going to have to do. You know, I, I got a uh, I got a, a crepe myrtle, and though those are things that you got to cut way back, and it's like oh, I don't know if I should cut them, but when you cut them all the way back, they really start to bear more fruit but you should you should tell your son Caleb that because apparently he has a crepe myrtle in his backyard and he didn't know it he was looking up all sorts of stuff last night so I think someone gave him seeds anyway that was my <laughs> Bentley talk that just how did we get here That's a, well, <laughs> well, let's go back to Psalm 37 because I also want to say in verses 23 and 24 it says this the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him okay so you delight in him and God's going to direct your way though he may stumble he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And, you know, I, I, I've meditated on that and thought, you know, I, I want the Lord to direct my steps and make my steps firm because I want to delight in him. But I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. And I love the fact that he holds my hand. It's like, but I'm not going to get crushed. You know, mm-hmm. there's a sense where that I will stumble, but he's got me. And, uh, you know, through some of the darkness in my life and some of the di- most difficult times, just a reminder, you got my hand. And although there's a uh, stumbling, uh, it's, it's, you got me, mm-hmm. which is really good. So it's like, uh, Amy right now, she babysits, uh, her niece, Rhea, and she's crawling around everywhere now and sort of learning to walk and stand up. And, oh, you know, she, she holds her up and she'll hold onto the couch or hold yeah. her hand. But if she falls, it's, she's going to be okay. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, she's not falling very far. And exactly. that's essentially what we are is, you know, we're, we're going to be okay, but we're definitely going to fall all over the place. Exactly. Good, good analogy. Hey, 38 uh, was was kind of like a Job-like lament to me. And I, I I don't have a lot of stuff other than the fact that it's really cool to have psalms that will you can just you can relate to. There's mm-hmm. so much, uh, my heart pounds, my strength fails, even the light is gone from my eyes. My friends and my companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. 
those who want to kill me set their traps. I mean, this it's a little mess. <laughs> and uh, I think when you go through some of the difficulties of life, that that you find voice mm-hmm. in, in there. Um, but can we go to thirty nine? Yeah, go for it. You know, it starts off with uh, in one and two. I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. Oh man, I'm already convicted. <laughs> somebody uses as many words as I do, it's like, oh Lord, keep help me. Uh, I will put a muzzle on my mouth. <laughs> and you know, one of the ways that God has blessed me with a muzzle is my wife because she'll she'll I, I want to say something sarcastic and cutting and biting because I think it's funny. And uh, she's like, looks at me like, Mm-mm, that's, that's not, it's not, it's not kind. It's not right. It's not appropriate. And when she's not here, whew, it's, uh, so. <laughs> you let, you let the jokes rip and no, the sarcasm rip. Sometimes. We grew up in locker rooms, you know, it's, it's, some, uh, we, it's we sometimes forget that. It's so, it's so true. <laughs> but with 39 as well, which really I love is in verses uh, four and five. It says, show me Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You've made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Um, it's just—it's a reminder that life is brief. And when I read that, I'm like, okay, how do I maximize this day? How, how do I maximize my life? It's, you know, Brooks, you're 27? Six. Man. Embarrassing. Uh, you're, you're 26. And uh, uh, you're, you're, is your birthday in August? June. June? You're mailing it right now. Uh, <laughs> We're leaving this in. We're not cutting it either. Yeah, I love it. So you're a, you're a whole you're a whole year younger than Caleb. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, 26. Uh, I'm sure that you know. Let me know the measure of my days is different for me that at 57. But but I, I think there's something really important for us to know. We got a limited time here. How how do we maximize it? Not for, let's go back to that vine. Not for my tree, but for His fruit, mm-hmm. His glory. So, yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Great stuff. And then Psalm forty. Uh, hey, it's a U two song. U two <laughs> uh, sang forty. It's just called forty. I think Bob Dylan also wrote a song on this. But it's it's it starts off beautiful. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I love it. It's like, you know what? I was in a bad spot. I cried to the Lord. He lifted me out of that bad spot, out of the pit of slimy pit of mud and mire. <laughs> he put me on the rock of Christ and now I got to sing. I got to worship. So it's... It's good stuff. And the fact they, you know, used music as a way to show emotions back then as well. You know, obviously today music is very popular and especially in pop culture. But reading, you know, thousands of years ago, that's how they expressed emotions as well, whether it's happy, sad or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And it just makes sense. You know, I mean, yeah, even if you remember, like uh, when we talk about Exodus, they when they when they crossed through the uh, the Red Sea, what did they do? They sang. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, they had the song of Moses. They had Miriam sang. They, they just. And, you know, through songs, they taught their children. That's mm-hmm. kind of the truth. But anyway. All right. That was good. That was good. So we want to go to Exodus and Leviticus. Exodus and Levi- Leviticus. We can wrap it up. Um, you know, what, what do you what, what, you want to jump in? You want me to start? The I mean, Exodus, we're wrapping up, um, kind of setting up the tabernacle. And it's a lot of uh, measuring of cubits and measuring out, you know, purple and blue um, uh 
uh, thing walls and, and gold rings and lots of descriptions of how to build the tabernacle of where God is going to dwell and very specific rules of how things are supposed to be set up in there. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, he was very specific, wasn't he? I mean, he was... Uh, very detail-oriented. Which is, which is, is amazing. So, um, you know, I'm looking over this because in, in, we start off in Exodus 34 is that uh, Moses is going to get two new tablets. Remember, mm -hmm. he breaks the first one. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, why two tablets? Let me just say this real quickly. You know, some a lot of people, when you see a picture of Moses, they'll have like one through four and one tablet. That Those are the things we owe to God. These mm -hmm. are the, the directives of God. Keep his name holy, no gods before him, and those kind of things, no idols. And uh, and then five through ten are the thing before man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, don't murder, don't, you know, commit adultery. But some people think they're two tablets because like it's, it's like a covenant. And you keep a copy and I keep a copy. There was one for God and one for Moses, mm -hmm. you know, of, of, of that. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting things. And I, I, I love, I don't know why, but out of, out of that, you know, it's God who says, who says who he is. He passes in front of Moses. And let me just read 34. Pass in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. This is God speaking, you know, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. Isn't that interesting how he wants to start to describe himself? Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, that hesed and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents, the third and fourth generation. And, you know, Moses bows down and worships. But it just is, uh, it's interesting to me that, that how God describes himself, mm -hmm. you know, and how compassionate and merciful that he is. And so it's, it's really good stuff. And, mm -hmm. and they get things like, you know, in Exodus, like, hey, by the way, here are Sabbath regulations. It's important that you that you remember the Sabbath. And sometimes I ask, like, you know, gosh, it seems so far ago. And why? I mean, you know, separate our work, uh, our identity from who we are and what we do because God did and and anyway, it's, it's you see uh, that a lot in Exodus and in Leviticus as we started p taking the Sabbath very seriously. Multiple times it says yeah. your work is to be done on six days yeah. and to rest on the seventh. Yeah, it, it rest was in just to, to to worship to think of him. But mm -hmm. but I love it in, in Exodus thirty six. It's every pastor's dream. They people are giving an offering to build the tabernacle, and Moses has to restrain the people from giving. <laughs> You're giving too much. Stop it! Everybody, stop bringing offerings. And, uh, it's like the greatest dream ever. You know, it's like oh my goodness. Uh, and even Exodus 38, it's interesting that the altar that for for burnt offerings had to be carried because God wants to be with us in our condition. As you are going, I want to be with you. Carry me there with you. But also, as you go with the Holy God, you got to have a sacrifice because you're a bunch of knucklehead sinners. It just, it's just cool. It's just a little nuance of like, you know, you, you, you got to, if you want me to live in your camp with you, there's got to be a place of sacrifice. And then, you know, ultimately, that's Christ. He's provided the ultimate sacrifice. He always, his spirit always goes with us. And once everything is done, God's glory fills the temple. It's like, that's his stamp of approval. You mm -hmm. know, everything is done. Everything's measured. Everything is completed he fills the temple um and then you get to leviticus mm -hmm. and leviticus and then the kind of preamble or whatever you want to call it introduction to leviticus in my bible basically it says you know this is where and it says this in the introduction of this is where a lot of people kind of fall off in their uh, yearly bible reading and it gets very uh monotonous and and it's hard to relate to in our time but it talks about 
exactly what it was for is the regulations set to the Israelites apart as God's holy people. And yeah. like saying these are the differences of God's holy people and what they're to do compared to the rest of the people at that time. Yeah. And it's very specific in their offerings and their consecration of priests and, and all sorts of kind of regulations. And it's interesting how many offerings they have. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, fellowship offerings, sin offerings. I mean, oh my gosh. And it, and it says it too where obviously all of that stuff is very confusing to us reading it now. Um, but it says like if someone were to read it then it would make com- like perfect sense. Like yeah. they, they know exactly what's going on. It wasn't completely new ideas to them or anything. And I think at that time even there was a lot of sacrifices to the gods. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was kind of the way that you appease the gods is all this... But, you know, what's behind it too, Brooks, is that God is holy. He wants us set apart. And God is the one who tells us how to worship him. We don't invent it. Because, you know, you get to chapter 10. What happens to Abihu, Nadab, whatever that guy's name? Poof, Nadab. Nadab, Nadab and Abihu, 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 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they thought, hey, let's worship God the way. Let's bring some strange fire. You know, mm-hmm. hey, let's go do this the way we think we should do it. <laughs> And they get burnt to a crisp, you know, that, that marshmallow that you forget about mm-hmm. and it starts to- oh, yeah. to- toasty, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and it's like, whoa, you know, I mean, follow, here's a priest of God with a special, you know, garments on with the oil, they got, they got everything consecrated and they're going to say, let's just go do it our own way. God is the one, it's, it's called the regulative principle. God is the one who tells us how we are to worship him. We don't tell him. We don't build a high a stairway to heaven mm-hmm. or a highway to heaven. He tells us. And it's very particular in things like Leviticus, but we see them all fulfilled in Christ. And mm-hmm. we see that, you know, the, the ceremonial law goes away and, uh, you know, the moral law is going to stay, but it's fulfilled in Christ. But, you know, I, I got, and let me just tell the readers this. When I get to Leviticus, uh, even through a lot of Exodus, I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me, help me get something out of this. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, in Leviticus, and I, I thought about this in the last couple of days. Like, how many times have I read Leviticus? It's, 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 it's tough. You know, mm-hmm. we are. It's right now, a, it's. It seems like you're reading like a biology book, like a yeah. dissection of like you use the fat entrails here and the yeah. the kidneys get burned this way. It's like, yeah. am I am I in the right book here? Yeah. Like, am I in sixth grade science class? It's so true. And some things you take the height outside the camp, you burn the ashes here, and mm-hmm. then. And then it, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's the, the, the things that it describes. And, you know, we are where we are now is like, you know, the sores that you have, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, if it's an open sore that remains oozy, if, <laughs> if, the, if the hair turns white, you know, go show yourself to the priest. You're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's how do you keep a community healthy? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? How do you try to live in a way that. You know, you think of COVID and, and, you know, not trying to wipe out a generation of people with disease. That's, uh, yeah, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have anything else I want to say about it. No, the one through seven is talking specifically about all the different offerings that we were mentioning yeah. right there. And then eight, nine, and 10 were, uh, was consecrating the priests and Aaron and his kids and then kind of finishing up with Nadab and a Behu uh, getting burnt to a crisp, yeah. like we said. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's like, okay, here are the offerings. Here's what you got to do with the priest. And mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead and do them. And by the way, if you do them wrong, it's mm-hmm. not good. And so, yeah. He's he's detailed, got a detail, very detailed. Well, bro, we got it, we 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 did it. That, that was good. It was a great week, and we'll, we'll keep chugging along for next week. Yeah, let's go, folks. Hey, those of you who are still there, 
thank you so much. And those of you who aren't, it's okay. Just keep, keep jumping back in. So <laughs> yeah, don't get discouraged. Don't yeah. don't get discouraged. Do you want to quickly hit on what you meant to say? And yeah, to say? you know we're we're looking through Colossians and uh, we are looking examining the gospel truth. And you know for those who have gospel truth by God's grace, gospel growth should come. So really, it was growth, and it was Paul's passionate prayer for us to grow, mm-hmm. and it was. Hey, I, I pray. I pray that you have the knowledge, the really the spiritual wisdom, and the the insight to kind of to live for Him, to be to be faithful, walk in a manner worthy of His name, to be fruitful, to bear fruit in every good work, and you have the power. And so, it's just a beautiful prayer, and just a reminder that we're to grow. You know, if we're in Christ Jesus, um, how are we growing? And you know, we're trying to equip those among us to reach those around us. How are we bearing fruit? And uh, you know, I, I was hoping it would be really practical for us to see where we are growing in our knowledge and, and growing in Christ. And are we serving him and bearing fruit? So, yeah, I it, it, it was it is very practical. And then with our KC group last night, I think uh, not struggled with the questions, but different ones of like, how do how do we grow in the knowledge of God's will? It's like, OK, like you don't want to just do a canned uh, Bible answer, like read yeah. your Bible or pray. Yeah. It's just trying to think about more practical ways where it seems like a really simple question, but like really thinking about how to answer it and how to discern God's will. And, and is there more reliable ways than others and, and things like that? So That's awesome. it, it was a, it, it was tough to like break the ice with some of the questions, but once we started going, it, it made more sense. That's awesome. I love that. I'm going to steal that from my group on Thursday. That's that's really good. And by the way, let me just turn to what I hope to say. You know, I I told Katie a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'm coming up on a sermon that I know that I'm going to fail. Um, And I'm going to be, we're going to be preaching. It's, it's first, uh, it's Colossians one verses 15 through 20. And it just talks about the supremacy of Christ, that he is, uh, uh, he is the, firstborn over all creation. He is the creator of all things. All things were created for him, by him. He is the head of the church. It just, it talks about how amazing Jesus is. I'm like, how do I do it? I mean, you know, it's almost like you just want to read it, just kind of read it over and over and over again and just say, that's Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's, I can't wait to preach it and I'm terrified to preach it because it's like, I know I don't have words that will be able to say how amazing uh, this eternal God who became flesh, this fully God in flesh, this this one who's created all things, sustains all things, that unites all things in heaven and earth through him. It's like it, and the, the magnitude of it, it just goes beyond my ability and uh, anybody's ability. Um, and then you start praying the Holy Spirit. It's just like, Lord, please show us the beauty the, the of Jesus. None of us have the right picture of him. None of us think highly enough of him none of us get him enough because none of us can put our arms around eternity none of us can put our arms around his greatness there's all for every one of us there's more for us to drink there's more for us to learn there's more for us to know and uh it's like you know how do you describe it and I don't, I don't have words. It's, it's it's like that dream uh, when you, you have a dream of, I have the final exam for this class that I, I haven't been to yet. And like, I don't even know where the class is. Yeah. And so how could I even take this exam? So I, I remember my parents and grandparents would tell me like, when you graduate school, you're going to have that dream. And I finally did. And it's a, it's a scary dream of, you know, you're, you have to go take a final exam and you don't even know what the class is. Oh <laughs> that, that's what, it'll, that's what it feels like. And just always, falling short and not knowing enough and not glorifying him enough. 
Brooke, see, that story kind of takes my breath away. I don't know if I've ever had that. You've never had that dream? I don't think oh so. my gosh. But that was vivid. That I was... I've I've heard that one from multiple people of the dream where you're it's like English class and you haven't been to class all semester. Oh man. That's terrifying. <laughs> That's a scary dream. It's a scary dream. I think as a preacher, the dream you have is you get up to preach and someone stole your notes and you don't have them. Like <laughs> yeah, that's that. a good one. That's the same, like, same oh, idea. Man, what do I do? <laughs> so anyway, all right. So that's what I hope to say. And uh, KC updates. Do you have any KC updates, Brooks? I have no KC updates. 18 days. Mm-hmm, 18 days. So that's, that's exciting <laughs> stuff. So um, yeah, a lot of our women's ministry cranks up tonight. I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have our, our men will come back around uh, the first Sunday of March. Um, a lot of things, Brooks. Jump in. It's awesome. See you guys Sunday. All right. Blessings, everybody.